Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to Let's Talk TV Live on Blog Talk Radio and the Blog Critics Magazine Radio Network. Um, I'm so excited to be back here. Last week we had a little um, scheduling conflict and I had to cancel last week's show. So sorry about any of you guys who might have tuned in. Um, and I was really, I was really sad because it was right after The Walking Dead's uh, mid-season finale, and I really wanted to talk about it. Um, and so we missed that chance, but we will do that tonight. Um, I've also started a new series of articles um, that I published part one of last night, and I'm going to publish part two tomorrow. Um, and kind of going over, um, not really an in memoriam but talking about some of the significant character deaths in Walking Dead. Um, and I, what, how I define significant is that those deaths had an impact on either the plot going forward or major characters. So they weren't necessarily major character deaths, but their impact was profound. So um, hopefully people are like it are, are going to like it. They, they're kind of tuning into it. But I'm trying to get the word spread. And guess who follows now follows me on Twitter? I'm so excited this morning to Ooh. find out that um, Big Tiny is following me on Twitter. Do you remember oh, Big cool. Tiny? Do you remember Big Tiny from season three? Yeah. One of the, um, okay, he was oh, one, one of the, the prisoners. Yeah, yeah. So cool. Theodis Crane um, is following me. I was like, oh my god, that was so cool. So um, from time to time, actors and directors and producers and stuff um, guys follow me. But it was like he was my he's my first Walking Dead actor follow on Twitter. So I'm so excited. Thank you, Theodis. If you happen to be tuning in tonight, maybe we'll have him as a guest. Um, hopefully sometime. Um, talk about Walking Dead and also um, anything else he's involved with. So um, I want to talk about a couple things before we really get into the Walking Dead. So those of you who are tuning in for Walking Dead stuff, bear with us for about 10 minutes. I plan an hour and a half show tonight. So there's tons and tons of time to talk about Dead. Um, have you have you figured out that's like my latest favorite show? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> I'm like so addicted to it; it's ridiculous, um, and it's really funny because um, I asked my husband, who, who's been watching. He actually quoted it over the weekend. He was in a serious discussion about ethics um in front of a bunch of people and he quoted the walking dead and i was like so proud of him <laughs> so cool. yeah it was like a response to there was a it was it was a discussion about a response a biblical response in the bible a response to a rape and that would be considered by any stretch of the ima- um, uh, stretch of the imagination way beyond the bounds of modern ethics and so he quoted The Walking Dead 
and uh, trying to explain where the mindset of these people were. So it was actually kind of interesting. Anyway, so before we get into all of that, um, let's see. Let's take care of a few other shows that we've been watching. Um, like Once Upon I, a Time? I was going to talk about Once Upon a Time. That was actually where I was going. Thank you. You read my mind. I, 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 I'm sorry. I was joking because I thought, because that was what the show was about, but I know we haven't talked about it as much. I know, and I really feel like we need to talk about it a little bit. And um, so so what did you think of it? Did you see this week's episode? Of course. What did you think? Uh, I thought it was much improved for the season. And I think part Me too. Of it because there was no rumble. <laughs> Pretty much no rumble. Yeah, and that's really sad. I feel really sad about that. And there were some plot holes. Yeah. Um, not everything lined up perfectly, but the Snow Queen's arc is one that I've pretty much liked over all this stuff. Yeah. And I thought it came to a pretty fitting conclusion. And there was some really fun stuff with Snow and Regina. So I oh really God, love I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I liked the, the big, um, you know, the, the fight that they had was fantastic. And it was nice to see David have some, you know, real fight, okay. fiery emotion for God's sake. So I, I didn't I didn't post an article. I didn't post a review because I'm still not writing about it. So it's like I started. I did. I started and then I went to, to write about my walking did write my walking death article instead. Um and but what I did say was that I thought um the argument between David and um Snow White was like mm-hmm. the most life I had seen in them since the show yeah. began, and totally. it was so much fun to hear that. That's so that, mm-hmm. and I loved Regina. Well, I mean, Regina always great, but yeah, she has. Well, fun. Yeah. Um. So I like that. I liked. I've liked the Snow Queen arc, and the thing is, if there hadn't been the Frozen stuff, I probably would have liked the Snow Queen stuff. A lot, you know, that she, it was such a good story. I would have mm-hmm. liked to have seen more time spent with that her and less on the Frozen stuff. Um, by the way, I did see in one of the flashbacks, um, Lizzie from The Walking Dead, you were right. That was so cool. I know. Isn't that cool? I was like, oh, my see, God. See, now, now that I'm watching The Dead, I was like, oh, <laughs> there's Lizzie. I get it. <laughs> I'm so happy that you're watching it. We've been trying to watch it forever. (laughs) Sometimes it takes me a while. Um, But I did like this episode better than I've liked most of the season. And you're right. I mean, Rumpel is so awful. They've done such a terrible, terrible, terrible disservice to the character. Um, It made me feel like the the fall finale this coming week is going to be pretty Rumpel heavy because his plan kind of fell apart. And they finished the Snow Queen. And I'm like, I really wish this were the fall finale because I'm not looking forward to a rumple heavy episode. Yeah, no. I And this is okay, so this is what my speculation is. Mm-hmm. And and I think it would be misguided because for all of the reasons that I've talked about over the last couple of months, is I suspect just based on what I've heard on Twitter and stuff, that they're going to try to redeem Rumpel all in one episode. 
Oh my God. So all of a sudden no. he's gonna like be, you know, heroic or whatever. No. And and the problem with doing that and, and I've kind of like people have said, be patient, be patient, be patient. The story is is the the arc is that you know, just be patient with and everyone's saying, Be patient with us. Everyone's telling me this. So, um from the show. And um so this is what I'm thinking, because I haven't done it so far, and, and so far his story has been so completely contrary to everything we know about the character um, that this is the only thing I can think. And the reason it would be stupid to do it at this point is because, and I was just talking about this this morning with a friend of mine, um whose husband is like an amazing and very, very well-known um, Star Wars artist, by the way, Dave Dorman, um, who I think he's an Eisner-nominated um, artist. He's like really, really, really uh, well-known in the in the world of uh, art, of, of uh, fantasy art and genre art. Anyway, so I was, I was talking to his wife, who's a good friend of mine. She's a publicist. And... Um, we had our, one of our series of long coffees. And I was saying, I said, do you know what the problem has been with Rumpelstiltskin? Is that if they do this, if they ever want to redeem, we've had, if, if, there ha, if there's any sense of his redemption, we've got no clue of any sort of internal conflict at all this year. And, all right. Yeah. And in order for any kind of a redemptive, episode to work we have to have seen him conflicted in some way and one of the problems is because they've marginalized his character so much this season he's never ever a point of view character so we never see anything through his perspective and right whereas before we have right so we don't actually know what's going on in his head um, and I think that that's really bad writing if that's where they're going. Now, if they decide to make him a complete bastard, which he's been, and go on that um, I think that's also that's, stupid because it negates everything you know about the character. So, right, I, mean, I don't see a satisfactory way forward with Rumpel right now. No. If he's a jerk, that negates the first few seasons. If he's suddenly good again, that negates what they've done recently. And exactly. so... Unless they can somehow come up with some explanation on why he's been, why he was ruined. I mean, conceivably, perhaps they could do something with Regina's storybook plot that, you know, villains don't get a happy ending and Rumpel had, you know, had escaped the villain's status, but maybe the storybook yanked him back or something. I mean, I don't think that would completely satisfy me, but that's the closest thing I think they can do to making right. something that makes sense. And I don't think they're going to do that at all. Yeah, I mean, no, I remember. I, I remember we talked about this a year ago, when the end of the Peter Pan story, that right. when there was there that was speculation was that maybe there was speculation that maybe he had really, you know, the character had really died. And I remember well, saying then, if if he had, that would have been a really incredibly amazing, powerful end of his art. My yeah. friend said to me, she says, she's also a, a Robert Carlyle fan, and she said, um, wow, she says, he must just hate this. 
And I said, well, I, just wonder. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I mean, this is the thing. It, it, it's just like, if it's my, the only other thing that I saw that it could possibly be would be, you know, some fantastical way that he's able to, you know, bring Bay back or something, or maybe the the explanation, yeah. the, only, the only conceivable explanation that I see from in my point of view is that, you know, okay, so when he was caged up by the Wicked Witch, you know, that really uh, affected him and, and his psyche, and yeah. he just yeah. lost that. He lost that compassion part in his brain, or something. I don't know. But we've not, but we've not seen any evidence of that. Right. If we've seen evidence of that, even a little right. bit of evidence of that, that would have been enough. And we haven't. So it's right. It's and gone. that's what's frustrating. So all right. I mean, you know, they had Bell in the anyway in the background there. She's, yeah, I, I mean, they both know, are. I think. I think they would be it's doing Mr. Carlyle a huge favor to end his. Um, as much as I love him, and I do, and I, it's just killing me. It's like totally killing me to see him in this position. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm, it makes me very sad. Um, it would be as if on The Walking Dead, all of a sudden Daryl ended up being a bad guy. Oh, God. Don't even say it. <laughs> Quick, I mean, really. <laughs> really. They'd never do it. The Walking Dead wouldn't do it. Well, I mean, once upon a time, except for the Neverland arc, has always been uneven and not quite as good as it should be. Walking Dead doesn't have that same problem. No. Yeah. Walking Dead is just a whole, I mean, it's just in a whole class all by itself. Do you, do you know what I like? Is. You know what I, and I said this to my husband the other day, I said, you know what I really like about The Walking Dead? And I've actually now watched it a second cycle all the way from the beginning. And um, some of the episodes I've watched more than twice. But, um, what I really like is the way the show will plant a seed in one season and then pick it up two seasons later. Mm-hmm. And it's like, ah, that's, that's what that was about. Or even planting something at the beginning of the season, and here it comes at, like, well, whole, the whole thing with, with Beth disappearing in season four at the end of Alone Um you know, after the funeral home and the zombies and all that, um, and she just appears in this black car with the cross on it. Well, it's not until the third episode of fourth episode, uh, fourth episode of season five, the season, where we reconnect with that. Um, well, of course, there was Slab Town, but we don't really, really reconnect with that storyline until this season. And I think that that's a really kind of a neat thing that they do. Well, what's the structure of that show? Had they not already publicly announced that Beth was remaining a main character this season, there'd be a lot of speculation of whether they would even pick it back up or they would wait a long time. I mean, when Merle cut off his hand on the rooftop in season one, I mean, fans were clamoring for him to return. And they got off till season three. Uh, Right. Because because that's what works for the story. So you never quite know when they'll return to the story or why, and so that kind of gives it uh, the unpredictable nature that I like. Right. Well, they did bring Merle, Merle back in um, season two, but only as a hallucination. Right, right. Right. And I feel like that was an answer to the fans' question, and because they are to the fans, you know, clamoring to have him back, and because they did that, it almost seemed less likely they'd bring him back for real in the story. Right, right. 
Right. And a smart yeah. move on their on the yeah. writer's part to do it that way because yeah. you know we still were like left wondering, oh my, you know, are they going to bring him back? Well, yeah. I think I think they didn't know for sure they were. I think they wanted to, but they had to wait for the right story. And season three was the right story. Yeah, yeah and it was I great. It, it was great, and and that episode was hallucinating. That chupacabra <laughs> episode, one of my favorites. Right. But see, oh, they yeah. only bring him back when they have reason to bring him back. They don't bring him back just for the heck of it. Right. right, and see, that yeah, that gives them credibility too, because you know right. that there's always going to be a, a major plot point if they in fact bring. I mean, like now. I'm trying to find out about Morgan because you know Morgan's been what we've seen two glimpses of him. I'm like, I why? Know. What are they doing with that? I'm so. Confused. Well, you know they're doing something with it. They want to make a. They well, want yeah. a lot of symptoms. Right. So I, I mean, I'm excited and I can't wait. But me too. Yeah, they've done it well. They've done it very well. Yeah, yeah, um, really, really. You know, I could almost, it's interesting. Um, we have characters on the show who do have have hallucinated, right? Daryl's hallucinated. Rick has hallucinated. Yeah, I, I could possibly see bringing Beth back for a guest appearance as a or fevered flashback. nightmare, a flashback, or a hallucination, definitely. Yeah. You know, maybe Maggie will hallucinate her. Yeah, that's I don't what think I'm they thinking. will. I, she doesn't seem a prime candidate for that. But no. they could if they they could they if, could they, if they really wanted to. I mean, there's a but. big bring bring back Beth um, campaign oh, on now. Yeah. I, mean, I think part of that's just feeling sorry for the actress because unlike other actors, when they've left the show, she really came out like, I don't know why they killed me. I don't think they should have killed me. I don't want to go. <laughs> I know. I know she was crying on Talking Dead. I was like, oh, it was so. She's hard a lovely, a lovely, lovely young actress. Um, Absolutely, beautiful voice. Yeah, very nice voice. Um, I loved what she uh, brought out in some of the characters, particularly, obviously, particularly Daryl. Um, she really brought out uh, a lot more of his character. Um, into into the um, into the open, um, but yeah. So, but I have to admit, I am a parallel uh, shipper. Although I do, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna caveat that by saying um, I really really don't like ships. I don't like resolved ships ever, ever, ever. I didn't like it when. Cuddy and I, I liked Cuddy and House being together. I didn't like I liked the idea of it. I didn't like them being together. Um, it could never end well. I didn't like the idea of Mulder and Scully being together. I love oh, the, I, I love, love the that. us. I love the us. Love Unresolved sexual tension, and there's plenty of that on The Walking Dead um, between Daryl and Carol. And I really just like that. That's I like that. That's I really feel like when they were in the prison, they might have hinted that there could have been some some actual um, between Daryl and Carol. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it was hinted at in the prison a little bit, the beginning of the prison story, but really? they never went anywhere. Yeah, like when they were sitting up on the bus. Um, I'm trying to remember the exact what was going on in the scene, but I thought there were hints that it may have already been happening, but it wasn't necessary for that to be part of what was shown. Uh, you know what? Uh, actually listening to, and, and I, I, I see, I didn't pick that up at all. There is a tremendous closeness between them. 
and oh. when Rick and when and and when um when Daryl goes with Merle, you know, mm-hmm. in season three, um, you know, Rick pulls the Carol card. You know, he's like, well, you know, well, what do I tell Carol? And mm-hmm. he says she'll she'll understand. And um, when Rick kicks Carol out of the camp in season four, um, mm-hmm. and and Daryl comes back, he is so upset. And actually, he doesn't want anyone to tell Daryl. He wants to tell Daryl because right. he knows how upset he's going to be. And so, I, but I don't think that there's been any sense that they've done anything. And in fact, I know that I've heard Norman Reedus talk about the whole Carol and Daryl thing. And mm-hmm. um, I, his perspective is. Um, Oh, somebody's tweeting me. Who's tweet? Oh, you tweeted me. Um, uh, that you know, he wants any any relationship that's between them to be so completely. He's so socially awkward and so socially introverted that any relationship would be so incredibly awkward between them. Um. And that's how he would play it. And he said that fairly recently. So I'm thinking, no, I'm thinking that hasn't happened. Because if it does happen, it would likely happen anyway. Because that's just the character. Yeah. I think Carol would be all set for it and ready for it. You know, I mean, yeah. yeah I don't she, knows, she knows Carol's a good guy. There's definitely, mm-hmm. some, uh, there's definitely an attraction between them. Oh, there's, there's no doubt. There's a real strong attraction between them, and you saw that in Consumed, um, in in this in this episode this season. Um, absolutely, you saw that. Um, so anyway, so that kind of segued us out of uh, out of Once Upon a Time. Um, so I'm happy to have done that. But um, so let's go on. We've been watching other fun TV. I have barreled my way through all of next season's Downton uh, Abbey. I'm like so excited. Um, it appears in January on PBS, Masterpiece, classic, um, and having watched all the episodes, all eight episodes, I think it's eight episodes, um, it is the best season so far, I think. Really? That good, huh? It is. It is. You find some really, there's some really interesting, it takes place in, in 1924, that's when the when the new season takes place. Um, and the relationships between um, some of the characters, um, Edith's story arc really expands. Um, she becomes a real focal point. Um, Rose, uh, there's a real, um, actually a really interesting storyline with her. And um, I won't tell you how it ends because um, I, w- I don't want to. Um, <laughs> I don't want to spoil it to everybody who's listening. Um, but it's really cool, and it brings up ethnic, um, really some ethnic issues that are rampant in uh, British society, in European society, in the 1920s. Um, also, interestingly enough, and I don't think she's ever, it's 
been stated like overtly before, but um, Lady Grantham, um, you know, of course she's an American, mm-hmm. and she talks she talks more about her father uh, being Jewish. Oh, interesting. And her her maiden name, which I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, um, is an obviously Jewish name. But she talks about her father uh, being Jewish and not having converted. And um, so, yeah, so it's it's pretty interesting because that has a, a bit in it, too, with regard to Rose. Um, yep, and there's a Christmas special this year, too, that hasn't aired yet, right? So it's, no, it has not aired media? yet. Was it on the, I, was it on the press no. site as well? No, it wasn't on the press site. It was not on the press okay. site. Um, at least I didn't see it there. Um, but the eight episodes were there. Um, and, um, there's, there's a sad, sad story arc that has to do with Isis. Lord Grantham's dog. Dog, yeah. Um, and I'll tell you, you know, it's the first season with the exception of Sybil's death and Tom's visceral reaction to it. No other season has made me cry, and not even you know um the end of uh season three um but this season had me crying, had me tearing up in at least two or three separate episodes, really emotional stuff. Um, there is, oh, there is, one of the things I will tell that isn't really a spoiler is, um, who, yeah, you know, do you know who the guest star, one of the guest stars is this year? George Clooney is in the Christmas thing. Well, I haven't seen George Clooney. Uh, I think but, he just did something for Christmas. I don't know if it's the official special or it's a short that they're going to air. But okay. He, he hasn't, something with him. he's not in the eighth, uh like, in-season episodes. Yeah, I didn't think he was, but he is going to be. But, but um, uh, Richard E. Grant. So, okay, uh-huh. do either of you guys know who he is? No. Who is he? he Richard E. Like, he was in Doctor Who and stuff. He was. Oh, uh, see, I don't, I don't yeah. watch Doctor Who. That's he was in a Doctor Who <laughs> special. He was in a Doctor Who <laughs> special playing a doctor. But, his, so his most famous movie is something called With Nail and I which he did, it was like almost like a two-person um, movie with Paul McGann, who was the doctor. Yeah. Um, and Richard E. Grant was also in Gosford Park and uh, a bunch of other movies. Um, the Littlest Vampire, I mean, not one of his better things. But he's actually done a lot of really good movies um, and some really bad ones. But Gosford Park was one of his good movies. But With Nail and I is fabulous. Anyway, one of the things Richard E. Grant did was a series, a BBC series that aired on BBC America um, called The Scarlet Pimpernel. And he starred as The Scarlet Pimpernel. He starred in, he was in the starring role with, guess who played his, um, his wife, co-starring Elizabeth McGovern. Oh, well, you didn't give us a chance to guess. I love her. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Were you, were you, would you have been able to guess? Well, you said, you said guess who plays his wife, and I was opening my mouth, and then you told us. 
<laughs> Sorry. I was so excited. Was it Elizabeth McGovern? It's Elizabeth McGovern. Oh, um, yes, I got it right. So you got it right. Um, but they're, they play husband and wife. They're the stars of the show. And um, it's, a, it's a great, by the way, if, if you know the story of the Scarlet Pimpernel, and it's very um, dashing and takes place during the French Revolution and blah, blah, blah. And in um, this year's Downton Abbey, he plays an art expert, and he has a flirtation with Lady Grantham. So it's actually kind of cool to see Richard E. Grant and Elizabeth McGovern together again. That was kind of fun. Um, And creates all sorts of conflict with her and Robert that's not fueled by this flirtation as much as it is fueled by Robert's and Elizabeth's, uh, Robert's um, and, uh, and, uh, Lady Grantham, and I'm her first name is like escaping my brain. Cora? Yes. Cora. Cora. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. Cora and Robert's diverging attitudes towards a woman's role. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's really important this season. That's been festering for a while. It yeah. has been, and it really. As modern women, yeah, and Richard E. Grant's, right, and Richard E. Grant's character really brings that to the forefront. Cool. But you also see Robert really softening a lot towards the end of the season in a lot of different ways. Really I kind mean, of how can you be a, a man in that era with three daughters and not soften first? Well, but in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, he really begins to adapt to the new century. Good. And Isabel has a great Story arc. I love Isabel. You're going to so love much. this season. Oh, my God. You're going to just love this season because Isabel has the best arc. And she finally really gets a deserving arc. And surprising, surprising, surprising um, reaction to it from um, the Dowager. Ooh. Really surprised. Like the scenes they do together are often some of my favorite of the series. And and they just play off each other this year so well. It's so, just really, it's just just so well done. And of course, Mary has a suitor or two just or three, <laughs> or just not or just six. one. Her whole arc has to do with her uh, love life, or much of, of her course. arc. Um, let's see. Tom also has a. Um, a relationship that actually has him beginning to wonder about his choices that he's made. And um, very, very, and he's kind of egged on by uh, by Rose in, in the whole thing. So really, really, really fabulous writing, great acting. Um, Downton Abbey is going to be so exciting to watch. Um, and I'll be writing about it um, before the season begins. So I'm really excited about that. Um, I want to talk for a second about Agent Carter. I am too. I'm so excited. Um, uh, It's going to be great. I will be doing um, a couple of pieces on it that will include my interviews I did with the showrunners and uh, some of the cast when I was at Comic-Con. 
So I'm really excited. Um, they finally posted the press release for the first episode, which will be a two-hour episode. Um, they just posted the press release, though, right? Not the screener? No, nah, not yet. I just checked a few yeah. minutes ago. There's no that. screener. There's no pictures. Just the press release. And it premieres January 6th. And it's at, at 7 Eastern time, um, 7 to 9 Eastern time, uh, which will be quite lovely. And it's a, it's really um, Haley Atwell, who I interviewed at Comic-Con, um, is great. Um, James Darcy um, will be really Have great. Have you seen any of the stuff Haley Atwell's done, like in the movies and the shorts they did for her? A little bit, started? yeah. Yeah, yeah. And she's been in this season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. a couple of times, too. Like yeah, stuff. yes. And wasn't she in uh, Winter Soldier? Yeah. So actually, we got to see the old version of her in Winter Soldier when she was near death, you know, like as a senior citizen. But it was still the same actress. Right. So, um, yeah, so I'm really, I've I've been excited about this show ever since uh, Comic-Con when I uh, was in the press room and got a chance to talk to people about it. I love period pieces. I love period uh, drama. And um, this is such an interesting time um, in American history, especially for women. And I believe this is something that's going to be explored. And the showrunners for the show are both women, which should be very exciting. It's cool for Marvel fans, too, because last year with S.H.I.E.L.D. and Captain America Winter Soldier, we witnessed the end of S.H.I.E.L.D. And this series is going to show us the beginning of S.H.I.E.L.D. So exactly. it really kind of fills in a gap of the, the movie series as well. This should be really cool to see. Right. And and firmly in that Marvel Universe, you have Howard Stark and that whole, uh-huh. you know, that whole thing. So so it's it's I'm really, really, I'm more excited about Agent Carter than I was about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Although my daughter has um, made a deal with me. So she wants me to watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I've watched on and off. She said, well, you can't really watch it on and off. You have to, like, watch it. Yeah. yeah. I was it's like, good. Okay. I said, I said I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. if you watch The Walking Dead past the first season, because she, like, didn't like the first season of The Walking Dead. And oh, she, she didn't like it. it. No, and she hasn't watched it. She says, Mom, there's only one good character on that show. And I said, what? oh, who do you think it is? She oh, said, well, She said, Daryl, of course. Daryl. Daryl. Um, she says, oh, I liked him in Boondock Saints. I said, I've never seen Boondock Saints. So um, she says, oh, yeah, he's really a cool character. She says, but the rest of it I don't like. So I said, I tell you what, you um, go ahead and watch. Walking Dead, and I'll watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and we'll, we'll compare notes. Um, so that's that. Um, bah, bah, bah. The finale, series finale of Newsroom is on this Sunday night on HBO. Um, Jimmy, you haven't seen the season finale yet, right? Yeah, I have. Oh, yeah, yes. I watched weeks oh. ago. Okay, oh. yeah, me too, me too, me too. But, but, oh, Christy hasn't seen the season finale. No, I haven't seen it, but that's Okay. It it it, ha- it was room, right. I I was just shocked. I'm, I I just can't even believe it. <laughs> it is it, the 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 finale is great. It is an incredibly. It's a bookend to the to the beginning of the series, as you told me, Jimmy, um, at before the show, really hearkening back to that very first scene in newsroom 
where yep. Will is, is speaking at Northwestern University. Oh, and I love that. His, I, I think that's his alma mater, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Jeff Daniels, um, alma mater, um, I think. Um, and there's a great, it's a great scene, and it's finally explained um, in the mm-hmm. finale um, as to how Mac actually got there and how she's not a hallucination. <laughs> um, and There's a the wonderful sh- scene in a garage. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That is and as I assured Chrissy, And as I assured Chrissy, and we should assure all newsroom fans, Charlie is in the episode. He is. It's not, ju- not just, like, repeated scenes, like, clip, not clips from her. No. Like, actual scenes. He oh, is in, in the episode. The he nut. is. The worry nut. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you, um, his death was, I just broke out into tears. I, I was know, like, I know. And Neil was in the episode, too. I was really yes. upset at how little we've had Neil this season, but Neil is in the finale. But the ending is so satisfying. And it you is. know what it does? It sets it up, if at some time. They want to come back and do a newsroom special, say during the presidential election. Here. Oh, that was an epic. I don't think they will. Circuit even <laughs> make This is probably the last three hours of television they'll ever write. You never know. You never know. I know. I mean, I honestly, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip should be in its ninth season right now. Yeah. Circuit on TV. Um, so anyway, but but it's really, really what an excellent, excellent ending um, to the series. Really, 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 really well done. Um, and just the perfect, per- you know, it's like I was talking to this friend of mine this morning about actors and their perfect roles. And mm-hmm. uh, Jeff Daniels, oh, this yeah, is one of those marriages between actor and writer where he's never, ever been better mm-hmm. in oh, anything. I know. And yeah, I love him. I adore, I adore Jeff Daniels. I even squinted my eyes through arachnophobia because I'm terrified of spiders. Because <laughs> uh, I really I do too. And I actually squinted my way through arachnophobia because I really like him. But like Broadway Danny Rose, I mean, some of his early stuff is great, but then he got into this awful, oh, my God, the Dumb and Dumber stuff. Just uh, like, ah. oh, Dumb and Dumber is an awful movie. I hate it. Uh, yeah, everybody oh, hates it. Oh, my God. Let me tell you, it was really hard. I ended up, I got to interview Stephen Tom, Steve Tom, mm-hmm. who's in the new movie, and, uh, you know, it was hard because I'd never watched it, and I went back <laughs> and I, like, basically, I, I figured out what the last, like, five minutes of the first movie was at just so I could say, okay, this is where we left off and everything. Right. And I just, I mean, it's, it's just, I don't know. I feel like it's the dumbing down of America almost. But, um, I know. So many people, so many people love that movie, and I don't know why. But then, you know, the newsroom has gotten plenty of its cri- critics that don't like it. It either. has. I mean, they got you a know, lot of flack this season for the rape storyline and how they handled it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing, too, is a lot of who's criticized the newsroom, It, I mean, they criticize it because of really what it's about. 
And yeah. a lot of those critics and a lot of those, it, it kind of rubs them the wrong way. Because yeah, I, mean, I feel like you either love it or you hate it, depending on what yeah. your political views are and what your that's true. educational I mean, it, background is. And, it is it is liberal uh, comfort food. Yeah, which is what I I mean, like that's me too. Uh, yeah, I'm a bleeding heart liberal. So. Yeah, and it's well, liberal yeah. comfort food. It's candy. Well, and me, it's me, all Fox News. Leave us alone and let us enjoy it. I yeah, know exactly. Well, you know, for me, the reason that I, I mean, I saw the first episode, but I was like just clapping and cheering when, you know, when Will did his whole diatribe at that, at that panel, whatever, in the beginning, that very first episode. And well, it was. Do you know how many people would, are bothered if they were seeing it? I mean, most of the people that would be bothered wouldn't have seen it. But do you know how many people would take such offense? That that scene, he says, America's not the greatest country in the world. And I'm like, if you're taking offense to that, you're missing the whole point of what that speech was about. Exactly. He doesn't hate America. Right. No, and he's just saying it it is broke. There's a broke system within our our infrastructure, and that's what he was pointing out. So it was just like, okay, you know, it's so funny. And, And I've been dealing with this with the Sleepy Hollow fandom. People have different perceptions. You know, we all watch the right. same thing, and yet, you know, based, you can have your, your biases based on, you know, your own experiences in life, but then also what you see out there and how other people react and whatever. And it's just, a, it's been fascinating to me uh, in dealing with a lot of the, you know, accusatory racial stuff that's been going on on Sleepy Hollow, it, Right. You know, it's just crazy to me. Um, and everybody's so passionate, which is great. Yeah. But I, I felt that, that one scene, I mean, I was hooked. I was definitely hooked the moment that he did that spew. It was just like, okay, I can watch the show and I absolutely love it. So, oh, yeah. Um, and I can I just say, too, I absolutely loved that scene where the freaking app guy, when what she interviewed the app guy on air about his wonderful like celebrity app that he has, <laughs> and, and yeah. I thought it was an interesting commentary too, uh, underlying commentary because oh, you know yeah. it, it, obviously nobody can confirm. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous, and and in the day and age, I thought it was really interesting that in the day and age of you know statistics and follows and social media and all this, how different uh, organizations are trying to capitalize on that and be on the cutting edge. Mm-hmm. So it was wonderful to see that that and how she broke him down and it was fantastic. And I was just like, yeah, I knew she was, I knew she was had a plan, you know, and I'm like, Ooh, I cannot. Right. I thought she was fired. <laughs> I, I mean, know, it would have been a spectacular too. firing, but. Yeah, exactly. So, so I want to segue to talk about The Walking Dead um, for the last 45 minutes and pretty much dedicate it, unless anyone else wants to talk um, about anything. Everybody should be watching Jimmy's web series. Can you tell everyone yes, where they can find it? Jerome.com, oh, the season finale is this week. So please do watch it. Or not watch it, read it. Read it. <laughs> yes. Oh, Where have you been, Chrissy? I've been posting it for 13 weeks. This will be the finale. And here, here I am, storytellers on the net. I don't even. Uh, <laughs> I gotta catch up. I need to catch up. Can you later? Can you link me so I'll be? Yeah, <laughs> I'll sure. catch up. Awesome. <laughs> be sure to tweet that out, Jimmy. If you tweet that out, I will retweet it, and so will blog critics. I will um, do it in the next few minutes. 
Okay, cool. Awesome. Thank you. So I want to talk about um, The Walking Dead. And oh, I want to. Grace Point? Did you want to talk oh, about oh, Grace, Grace Point? Point? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Sorry. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> So, um, have you watched any of Grace Point? Have I? So, yes. Yes. So, no, I, what is it? What's the name of it? Grace Point Grace on Fox. Point. Oh, Grace Point. Yeah, I'm only on episode six, but I absolutely love it. I'm, I I need to play catch up a little bit. But, um, well, did you see Broadchurch, Chrissy? No, I had no, and I know you guys tried to get me to watch it. No, I never did see Broadchurch, but I know the the main guy in Grace Point is the same guy in that, right? David Tennant. Yeah, right. it's the same character. David Tennant with yeah. a different name, essentially the same character, same actor, um, and it is better. Great, uh, I'd say one hundred percent for sure. Broadchurch is better than Grace Point. Yes, yeah. uh, no I, I mean they're very, very similar, and every time they go head to head, Broadchurch wins in every category. Yes. But, but if you haven't seen Broadchurch, I feel like Grace Point yes. is a strong show. And it got stronger and stronger as the season went on, especially when it started to diverge from Broadchurch's plot. Because they did say right from the start it would be a different killer and everything. So it's not just right. a but you know, But, you know, the problem is, I think, I think it took too long to diverge. Yeah, and I think what it did is, like, this is what it did with me. It lost the the Broadchurch fans. Yeah. Because even so by midway through the season, it was still the same story. Well, yeah, it was, what, episode six or seven before it really started to verge? Yeah, right, right. I mean, it really, I, right. But, though, honestly, had I not been a Broadchurch fan, I probably wanted to, well, okay, I can't say that because it probably would, I probably would have liked it, but uh, really, as a Broadchurch fan, I kept watching just because I really wanted to see who the killer was this time around. I did well, too. Then and later episodes really started to hook me. Yeah, but I think as a as a fan, I mean, I really love Broadchurch. I can't wait till mm-hmm. uh, season two. Um, and, and Grace Point's not going to get a season two. They're writing some. No, they won't. But, and and no, I don't think just... they, I don't I don't think they deserve it because I think that people should no. watch Broadchurch. Um, yeah. I don't think there's enough of a distinction between the two shows. And um, I actually, who did I? I had this discussion with somebody at Fox. Um, actually, I can't remember who it was, but, um, it's just, there's not enough difference. And if you have never seen, like you said, if you haven't seen Broadchurch, Mm -hmm. um, Grace Point's great. It's excellent. Um, and it goes terrific. I mean, right. Oh yeah. She's great. Um, David Tennant is great. He does a credible American accent, although it's not always 100% there. Um, right. It's pretty good. And the hair, color is um, the hair coloring is awful. Yeah, the hair coloring is really awful. I do not like him as a blonde. Um, <laughs> no. No. I mean, he's got really, really, really dark eyes, and the blonde doesn't really work. Um, but I like his character. I mean, I, I always like David Tennant in pretty much everything he oh, does. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, but yes, yeah, so check out Check out uh, Grace Point um, if you haven't, and if um, on Fox, on Fox, and I'm sure it's on their Fox to Go um, site, so you yeah. can catch up uh, with the episode. Yeah, it's so, on okay. Fox now. Yeah. So let's go to let's go to Walking Dead um, because I'm sure people have. Although we've talked about Walking Dead hither and yon during oh, the <laughs> first half of the show, 
Um, but I do want to talk about the finale and um, where things are going to go from here. Um, so the, I really I like the finale, this the midseason finale. I thought, however, that Beth's death, that whole last sequence was a little rushed. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, and by the way, if you want to call into the show and you're listening live, the number is 646. Five nine five three one nine five. So call on in, and if you want to talk about The Walking Dead, give us your opinion on the finale and speculate about where the second half of season five is going to go. Give us a call six four six five nine five three one nine five. Um. So I thought they spent too much time with Father Gabriel and not enough time with our core characters. Yeah, I agree on that. I disagree on that because Father, I mean, coming from the perspective, I'm pretty sure Father Gabriel is going to become one of those really important characters. Maybe not as core as Daryl or Rick, but he's going to be a a presence on the show. And because we didn't get that much chance to know him yet, it was nice, I thought, to see that character development. I like his. I like the character, and I think it was really it was well done. But because they were really building up to this moment with the mm-hmm. rescue, and it's been a long time in coming, um, I don't think that enough time was spent there. Um, we don't really see Carol kind of come out of her coma or whatever she was yeah, in. Yeah, that would have been... This needs to be a little bit longer episode. Give an extra 20 minutes. Yeah, I think it could, should have been a little bit longer episode. That would have been I great. Agree. Um But I think that was my only quibble with it. Um, I'm not, you know, Beth was a really good character and I liked her and all that. Um, you know, bring back Beth, I'm not sure. Um, I would be on that boat. Um, I think it was a good death. Um, okay, but it was the, very the, unexpected and quick. It was, like we, it, it, yeah, well, you it, you, didn't you didn't see. see it I coming. I predicted. I had predicted that it was going to be bad. But in that moment, did you feel like? Did you see it coming before a few seconds? No. Uh, actually, as I was watching, as I was watching the scene, I was thinking, okay, so this is going really well. <laughs> There was definitely a, a right in the in the seconds after Beth's death and Daryl Daryl shoots in Don in the head. There was a moment where I'm like, "It's going to be a bloodbath in this hallway." I re- yeah. I thought, yeah, that's for what sure. I thought too. The guns were coming out and it was over. Yeah, and it didn't happen that way. No. Hey, do you do you think any of those uh, hospital guys are going to go with uh, our merry crew? No, they didn't. Nobody else came out except for Noah. Well, but we, I was we, hoping. But, I was yeah, hoping, but, but nobody else have, came out. They may follow but, along. You know, there might be another one that. Follow. I think I they're too think freaked so. out. I think I that think, was. Yeah, they're going to yeah, build I, their own life there. Um, yeah, hopefully they won't become I mean, cannibals or anything. They have no reason to trust Rick. So, from their perspective, and that's why it was kind of nice that they had a couple of them as captives in the hour yeah. before, because from their perspective, we kind of understood what the dynamic was. And so while I was expecting bloodbath, it wasn't 
surprising it felt natural when that one officer stopped the bloodbath, you know, because we got a little bit of their perspective. But right. knowing what they know, and I mean, seeing Father Gabriel's story and how he sees Rick's crew, yeah. I mean, these people see him even more suspiciously. So I feel like the Gabriel story also enhanced why they want to go with Rick. Right, and it's well, interesting. It's really what's really interesting is now we're gaining perspective on how people see Rick's group, and do they yeah, see Rick's yeah. group as any different than the governor or you know Gareth's group? Um, I, you know, I don't think so they do. They don't. How they, can they? Well, I mean, I think Father Gabriel starts to, but after he's had another experience, right? I mean, you you remember back in the prison where um, Rick threw out Tyrese and Sasha, sent them into the governor's arms, and um, their perspective of the prison people was, well, there were some nice people, but that guy who's the leader is insane. (laughs) Right. Well, yeah, I think the hospital people were afraid of Rick. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. He's got that quality. Although, because of their experience with the governor, I think Rick and crew have to head to D.C. now. Because while it doesn't seem like the hospital people will come after them, they've been burned before with trying to leave people alone. And oh, if they yeah. stick around town, they're leaving themselves open for danger. So from yeah. that perspective, learning from past experience, they have to leave town now. R.I.P. Bob, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. Be yeah. They'll be gone. Yeah. Well, personally, I just think that Gabriel needs to go. I, I mean, he's such a no. liability. The guy can't even kill a walker. I mean, he, he goes he, out. But not only that, but he, no, but he completely jeopardized. Yeah, but, but, but look at Tyrese. I mean, look at Tyrese. Well, yeah, that's true. And Gabriel but, has a machete at the end of the episode. He, yeah. He's learning. He'll get there. Give him a break. He hasn't, he hasn't faced the same things our heroes have faced yet. All right. right, I'll give him a I'll give him a slight break, <laughs> but I, I don't know. Father, Father Gabriel, I don't think will ever be one of those central core people, but no. just because of the, what I've read of him in the comic books, I already have an affection for him, and so I keep trying to give the actor the benefit, the TV version, the benefit of the doubt. So I want to talk a minute about the final scene after the after Beth dies, and okay. just carrying oh, her out Maggie. and. Maggie and Daryl, especially Maggie and Daryl. Oh my god! I was bawling. I was bawling. I'm like, oh "Oh my god! And she was so happy. Maggie was so happy. Like, oh my god! You know, she's alive. And they go there. When he walked out with Beth in his arms, I that will. I guarantee you that is going to be the one. I think iconic moment of the series that when you talk about The Walking Dead. You are going to flashback to Daryl carrying her out of that hospital because it was, it was just devastatingly heartbreaking. It was yeah. horrible. I mean, and when Maggie hit the ground, I, I was like, oh, my God. I mean, of course, you know, my sister died, so I was just a freaking mess, you know, because I, I, I could right. relate to that so so well. And, oh, God. And when uh, I loved, though, that Daryl is the one that, that gave the kill shot to John. I was like, Thank he God. had to. He, he had, he to. had it, to. He had to. It was just fantastic the way he, he had did to that. exact retribution. And I don't mm. think it's. I don't think it's going to assuage his guilt at all. No. Because Daryl takes 
puts, I mean, he carries everything on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. I mean, even, you know, even after the prison in that episode, flashing back to that episode with Beth um, still, and he, and he, you know, he's, he's not he's so silent, you know, he's not saying anything, he's not talking. And finally he breaks down and he's like, none of these, you know, she says to him, you, you're acting as if you don't even care that all of these people are gone. And, right. you know, and he just breaks. He says, is that what you think? He says, we are never going to see these people again. If only I could have done something different. That mm-hmm. They came right up to our gates and there was nothing I could do. And, um, you know, Herschel was killed and everyone was killed. And, and, there should have been something that I could have done to stop that. And, and he now just, this, yeah, awesome. and he well, took I it on. He up, took it on his shoulders. When you bring up Herschel being killed, I mean, we Herschel's farm was very pivotal. It was early in the series, and it was yeah. this point where our characters really became who they become have become. And Maggie's now the only survivor from that group. Right. Really That's right. Sad. Yeah, she's really the only one that's left of her family. Right. Well, that's um, why I'm a little worried. I think she might be the next one to go, which... I don't think so. Uh, no. I, I mean, you don't I, think so? No. 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 I mean, I'm, I hope not, because, I mean, I like her you a know, lot. They've got to they've gotta, they've gotta keep somebody from the farm alive. Um, right. And she's got... I mean, there's not a lot of benefit to killing her. But there is benefit to keeping her right now. You gotta, I mean, look at the right. character's cast analysis. And, you know, I know the comic book's no guarantee, but she has quite a journey in the comics after this point. So I'm hoping they kind of do what? Some, something with that, where she really comes into her own independence and as a leader. Yeah. yeah. And that's really a real possibility. Um, yeah. But I think going forward, um, I think it's going to be a really hard road ahead, whatever oh, they yeah, do. This will, this will, I mean, I think this will change Maggie for sure, fundamentally. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and we're going to see lasting repercussions, which is another thing The Walking Dead does really well, is yep. these characters were not created in a vacuum. Every action they, they do, yeah. every word they speak is influenced by everything that's come before it. Which is the beauty of the show. I know it's so well crafted and put together. Yeah, it's one of so the cookies. best plotted. It's one of the best plotted shows that and there's I. Like four, what, four different showrunners, and it's still this cozy. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I did a piece. I've been doing these. Uh, I have planned these analytical pieces um, during the hiatus, and the first one I posted was right before the uh, finale, um, which mm-hmm. was an analysis of season two. And it was the, that was the season that people really were, they really hated that season. And we've talked a little about that season. I don't think I had posted the article yet at our last show. Um, I was about to maybe. And um, people didn't like it because, you know, you have this protracted search for Sophia and you've got the farm and they're all safe and this is a zombie show and this is taking too long. And But, you know, the thing about season two, and, and I would have a different perspective, I think, if I had watched it while everyone else was watching it. Mm-hmm. 
and had to wait day week day. by week by week, yeah. I would probably have gotten mm-hmm. really frustrated. But being able to watch her. it, it was like watching, it was like reading a novel. You know, I couldn't stop watching season two. Mm-hmm. Um, I had well, to that's know. What happened was, with me. Yeah, and, but, you know, the search for Sophia was important because it, even though it took a while, I think it was important to develop Shane's character into, you know, his metamorphosis yeah. from being kind of um, this tough cop guy to really being psychotic, practically. Um, and I well, think, that, and his fracture with Rick really, you know, it simmered and it boiled and it simmered and it boiled till the end when he kills Shane. And so I think that was, that needed to take time. That needed some room and some space to develop. So I thought that was really important in season two. That's that whole arc between Rick and Shane, never mind Lori, but Lori was sort Mm -hmm. of like the trigger point of all that. The other thing that was really important for, I thought, was there were two other things that I thought it was really important that it not be quickly dealt with was um, really beginning to explore Daryl as a character. This is a character that wasn't in the graphic novels. And we don't really know anything about him. And by giving him this quest at the beginning of season two and really watching it play out and watching his character begin to transform into who he really is, I thought was really compelling. And I think that season two arc, in a large way, contributed to how popular a character he became. Oh, absolutely. No doubt about that. Because we saw that he really, you know, redneck with a heart doesn't even begin to describe him. Um, He's a really fully fleshed out character. He's He's another one of those characters that is an incredibly perfect synergy between actor and writer. And I know they I, I wrote think, that part. And they wrote that part well, for Norman Reedus. And I think it actually benefited the show to have so many showrunners and different, you know, mm-hmm. people guiding the ship in those early days. Because mm-hmm. it, I'm not saying the show hasn't continued to transition and the characters haven't continued to grow because they absolutely have. But yeah. we had different voices coming through, and as they right. were going through different periods, right? You know, I feel like they had a, a people appropriately in charge and with different focus. Although I love Jimple, who's done it the last couple seasons. And oh, yeah. He's been well, trying to stick around for longer. Um, and he's fantastic. But, yeah, I think those early days have benefited from that. So the other thing that I also liked about season two was we got the perspective. Remember, this isn't that long. Well, now we're about nine months, eight months, nine months into the about nine months into the zombie. No, in season two, we're not. Season two, we're just two months into the zombie apocalypse mm-hmm. uh, at the beginning. Right. Yeah, season two and, takes place over a relatively short period of time. Right. So we have the situation, and, and they've come across it from time to time since then, but it's it's really the first situation where you have someone who believes that the walkers are just sick. Mm-hmm. Right, that they're not that they're not zombies, that they're not corpses, that they're actual people, and we see that 
have from time to time over the course of the episode, of course of the series. Um, well, we see different people have different perspectives. I mean, look at right. the governor keeping his daughter the way he kept her. Exactly. Or that woman. That was a different take on it. Right. Or that woman who was hoping to get Rick to come to her camp mm-hmm. so she could feed so her walker husband. Yeah. Yeah. So you have these um, these different perspectives, uh, and not just what they call them, but how mm-hmm. they perceive them. And I think it's brilliant to do that because it's so true how that would happen. Um, but you have Herschel, yeah. who has this very, you know, it's a real sanctuary where he lives. And um, he has a completely different perspective than Rick and the group who've been out on the road. And I and I think it's a really, really interesting way of building it. So I really liked season two. Um, I really, really liked it. And um, people who criticize it, boo on you because you're wrong. Um, and a lot of people criticize season two. Um, so um, where are, where's, so, oh, the other thing I wanted to talk about a little bit is I've started a new series today. Um, mm-hmm. And it's called, it's a two-parter. And the first, it's called What the Walking Dead Death Tell Us About the Survivors. And what I've done is I've kind of, and I actually, I'm going to, I'm not going to read it, but I am going to sort of um, go through some of these deaths. And you you guys tell me if I'm missing someone or uh, shouldn't have put anyone in, put someone in. So let me explain to you how I did it. It's not major, only major character deaths. They're deaths that I believe had an impact on how the characters or the plot move forward. So either they were mm-hmm. triggers for plot or they affected how a particular character's arc continues. Okay. So um, there are, in season one, I uh, highlighted Ed's death, Ed Pelletier's death, um, because that's so, he's a minor character. Mm-hmm. Um, as is Carol at that point, that's such a pivotal moment. It really frees her and begins her change. Yeah. So I have him and Jim. And the reason yeah. I picked Jim was, um, this is what I wrote. Jim's death is most interesting when explored in the context of season one and where the survivors are at this point. He is bitten and the question becomes what to do with him. He isn't dead, and he actually dies quite slowly, running a fever and being quite ill before he finally, we assume, succumbs to his bite wounds and the infection. In the first season, the group isn't completely certain of what lies outside Atlanta, although Daryl, in his season one of Frame of Mind, wants to kill Jim immediately, knowing what he'll become, Rick vetoes him. And I have to wonder if the opposite would be true in the same situation come season five. And um, at this point, they know only what they've seen and experienced. They've heard of a cure at the CDC. They don't know. Maybe he'll live. So the other thing is about his death. Um, Jim's treatment sets the standard in season one for the dignity with which the group will treat all future afflicted within their community. So that's why I thought Jim's death was really important. Again, a minor character. I think um, there's a third death that's important in season one. Who's um, that? And that is 
uh, I can't remember the guy's name that runs the CDC. I think it starts with a J. Oh, Jenner. And Jenner. And the reason I think that's important is because in those early days, you know, they're still trying to understand what's going on. And when he, when he and the, the CDC explode, it kind of sets them on that path that, okay, we just got to deal with this as it is. There's no easy out. It okay, kind of begins the whole journey. Yeah. And I thought about I, that. I thought about that. Mm-hmm. And I changed my I didn't I didn't put him in. I just didn't think I yes, it was really important, but I think the impact wasn't shaking. Well, I think it was really because I feel like it was because I don't think at that point they didn't realize like I don't think they all really that it really sunk had sunk in at that point because their whole thing was like, Oh, we'll get to the C D C you know, there's got to be people there that's mm-hmm. working on a cure. This is gonna, This is not going to, this is not a done deal. But then yeah, he is. he brings it full circle and it's like, oh, my, you know, now they're realizing the gravity of the situation, that they are pretty much, you know, this is the way it's going to be. It's either kill or be killed kind of a, a mentality just to survive. Mm-hmm. And so that's yeah. why I feel like I agree okay. with you about Jimmy on that just because of that. Okay. I, I stand. I'm outvoted. Damn. Damn, damn, damn. I actually posted a link. I posted a link to the article on the Walking Dead forum. And as of this morning, I had something like 25 comments. And um, I'm looking, I haven't looked at it since early this morning. Um. And let's see. Uh, let's see if I can find it quickly because that's kind of uh, uh, people have their own uh, take on it, which is kind of interesting. So I can't find it because it's like way down there. Um, blah 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 blah. Because I posted it this morning, and there have been a ton of uh, articles, a ton of conversation things, and. Ah, uh, come on. Oh, man. It's not, where is it? Last. Last it. Now I can't find it. Anyway, it had a ton of uh, comments, and I can't find it really quickly now. So, unfortunately, I can't tell you what people have said. So, um, that was season one. So, Oh, here it is. Ha. Huh? 26 comments, and if you go to the Walking Dead forum, uh, let's see. I don't know. There's a ton of comments. Um, so go take a look at it, Walking Dead forum. Um, so season two, my season two deaths were Otis. Yes. I was right? Say, you know, another, another, yeah, right? another minor that. character, right? Another minor character. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, the people on the farm. He was everything to the people on the farm. He was everything, right? That was just so bad. I mean, I felt so bad when, you know, he, he shot Carl. I assume you're not do. really talking about the farm. I assume you're talking about what he did for Shane or what he yeah. did for Yeah, so this is what I said. Although Otis was never a main player in the series, his death is a pivotal moment for Shane. Although his death also sends a strong message to Daryl and others who believe Shane had left all sense of morality behind when the zombies came. We know Shane intentionally leaves Herschel's right-hand man, Otis, in the hands of the zombies in order to save himself, or more charitably, Carl. And in the aftermath, something just snaps. 
he can tell himself all he wants. He's done it for Lori and Carl, but he's done it so easily and with so little thought that whatever sense of humanity and obligation to the social contract he might have had as a sheriff's deputy back in the day just disappears. Another character might do repugnant things, and they all have by season five, but for Shane, that mean streak, so antithetical to Rick's humanity, comes out in high relief to the point that he's just a danger to everyone. Rick cannot even fathom the notion that Shane could have murdered, albeit indirectly, Otis in cold blood, but Daryl sees it with his keen observational skills. Um, Rick doesn't see it because he doesn't. Rick doesn't see it because he doesn't want to see it. A disgusted Daryl points out to Dale. Um, although Daryl has separated himself from the group at that point, uh, he also understands the cancer spreading through the group, calling it broken. So that that was my that was Otis. Um, then the Green Family Zombies was um, another second season death that I thought was really well, because important. they changed Herschel's perspective, and Herschel was a core character. He was one of the most yeah. important, most vital. Yep, right, right. And I what I say is um, it, it's changed him, right? If Herschel becomes the group's wise old man in conscience, in seasons to follow, this is the turning point for him. Um, mm-hmm. And um, it also continues to explicate um, Shane. You know, rage is his only emotion at this point. Um, he's lost all his humanity. And then Sophia's death. Again, a minor character <laughs> right. with a powerful impact. Um, I talk about that for a while, and I talk about it in context of of what it meant to Daryl. Because Daryl, although Carol, you know, it's Carol's daughter, really the, the person that it affects the most because he's most involved in her search was Daryl. Mm-hmm. Um, and his psyche, you know, what I say, a lot of Daryl's psyche is wrapped up in the search, his kinship with Carol as an abuse victim, his similar kinship with Sophia. Mm-hmm. All three have suffered at the hands of brutal drunks. But after Merle's death, Daryl begins an incredible transformation, no less striking than Carol's after Ed's death. For Daryl, the search gives him purpose and a way to prove himself. He'd not been able to save his brother. Maybe he can save this little girl. Um, and so, um Yeah. And I, I point out that his transformation continues to, to continue. And I say it's interesting to see that when Daryl reconnects with Merle and then connects in season four with Joe and his claimers, Daryl oh, yeah. really no, no longer, because they really, I mean, when, you know, they would be good buddies with Merle. I mean, he would have fit right, right in with right. that group. Right. And Daryl would have fit in with that group. But Daryl really no longer fits that lifestyle. He's so changed. And I loved that Claimers thing for what it said about that. Then Dale's death. Dale was a main character, sort of. Uh, he was a main character. Yes, he was. He was. You could say he was only sort of a core character, but he was definitely a main character. Definitely a main character. Yeah. And I think um, he was sort of... Like for Andrea, and you know, yeah. and when Amy died and all that, I mean, I just that he was, was really just, kind of the moral I mean, compass. He was a lot the moral compass, right? Uh, he was the moral compass that Herschel took over for. Yeah, Herschel took over. He was the yeah. anti-Shane in many ways, right? And then, of course, Shane's death. 
Rich, I I read. I'm sorry. You know what? I he. You know, we you talked. You just talked about you know how he left Otis for for the you know basically save himself. But you know the guy lied lied to Lori, uh, saying that Rick was dead. Left you know basically left him for dead right. so that he could get it on with his wife. I mean that's basically where I felt he was go. You know that's just the type of person that I think he inherently was. But then. Everything that happened since then, it just kind of built up to that moment where, you know, he, he he sort of doesn't even, I mean, I don't feel a huge amount of remorse from him no. after leaving Otis, uh, and so I was I was kind of happy when he died, honestly. I felt like, you know, he got what he deserved, so, but. So what I say, and, and I have a long paragraph uh, or two about it. But what I say is, but what Shane's death does for Rick, certainly, but also for the entire group, is to move the center of moral relativity many yards down the line. Yeah, I agree. Right? So it's like, okay, Rick has done this. Where's the moral core? Where's the center? What is, what's normative? What's the normative social contract now? Right? You can also... Yeah. Okay, another season two death you could kind of argue in a certain extent, although I don't think it's as central, is Beth's boyfriend dies in the RV. And yeah. that's kind of the beginning of her shutdown and turning cold and stuff. I mean, we don't really see that focus no. on her until after the prison falls. But if you put that together with, then, with her reaction when she loses her other boyfriend later in the series, yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like there's a connection there that that set off an arc for her, even if it was not. Yeah, but it's show. not a, it's not a, it's it's not, it doesn't fit my definition of really profound, like, yeah, impact. No, I, I wouldn't say you should have included him. I just think it's worth mentioning when you're looking yeah. at that particular character. So, so, and when I do my character sketches, and I'm going to do character studies of each character. So, that's another like thing. chasing zombies, but. <laughs> I do. I do. Um, I mean, the stuff you're writing about is right for that. It is. It is, and this, and it's the stuff I really love. Right. See, this is what I love writing about. This is why I write about television. Um, you know, this is this is the meat um, for me, so to speak. But so, so I, I haven't finished my season three, four, and five article. But these are the deaths that I've chosen to highlight. Um, okay. T Dog, just because he's a major character, and his and nobility. He is noble, noble, but I don't. I would. I don't know that I would say he fundamentally changes anything. Yeah, I know, and I was conflicted about keeping him in there, but he was a major. He was part of the original group. He was, but I don't know. I at that point, I felt like he was definitely cannon fodder. Yeah. Um, Andrea. Andrea was definitely pivotal. And, I was and like, then, so okay. So then I her. also, oh. so then I also, of course, Lori's death just totally yeah. sends oh, Rick off the deep end. Well, yeah. and what it does for Carl. Right for Carl yeah, and Carl right, is. I mean for Carl and for Rick. Um, and so I also included um, Milton's death, and I included Milton's death. Because of a couple of reasons. One is 
he changed the outcome for the governor in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and he cha- I think he changed the outcome. And also because of he was another character who felt that the zombies had a flicker of life in them. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a really interesting perspective that changed. And I think his death meant something. And maybe it meant something only to Andrea. But, but there's meant no something. other character like Milton in the series. He I know. He was his perspectives and the purpose he served, which was why I was really hoping he would join the group. But, oh, well. I know, which, you know, and if I had to choose between T-Dog and Milton, I'd probably pick Milton to keep in. Yes, yes, And, of course, Merle's Merle's death. Obviously. You know, hugely important death. Um, uh, Lori's death. And then um, Jody, the Woodbury kid that Carl killed. One scene. The kid was in one scene. And yeah. it's it's so important because it really changes. I'd rank, I'd rank him above T Dog. <laughs> yeah, honestly. he really I'm changes. Sorry, I don't have, yeah, <laughs> Rick. I mean, he changes Rick. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a real reality check for him. Um, and then season four, uh, Karen and David, because oh. Carol yeah. Carol killed them, right? Herschel's death, um, the governor's death. Um, Mika and and Lizzie mm-hmm. and Joe. Well, yeah, Claimer yeah. Joe. Mika and Lizzie was just so heartbreaking. Oh and I'm man, still, still dealing with that. I yeah, you know, and I think it's interesting that Tyrese is you know protecting her by not saying anything to the rest of the group, and um, I I just and, think that. You know, I don't know how she's trying. She's going to end up dealing with it ultimately because she really hasn't dealt with it. You know, I mean, it's still she's so riddled with guilt about the whole situation. But I mean, she has a choice. That's the thing. Well, it's 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 interesting too that um, you know, Daryl doesn't know what happened, but he doesn't want to know. He doesn't care. Whatever happened, Mm -hmm. happened. And I wonder if he suspects something. I mean, he's, of all of the characters in the series, although Carol is not so far behind him, of all the characters yeah. in the series, his observational skills are insane. I mean, he's got, like, he, incredible, he sees everything, and he absorbs everything. And he doesn't always act on it, and he doesn't always say anything about it because he often doesn't, no. but he takes in everything. And yeah. I can't imagine knowing how Carol's reacted to Lizzie and, and Mika's death that he mm-hmm. doesn't suspect something of the sort. But, but he's also oh. a very whole-picture guy versus yeah. one act. Because, like, I mean, he trusts Rick's decision earlier to banish Carol. He may not agree with it, but right. he doesn't challenge it in any real way. And he, right. you know, respects the decision to banish Merle. I mean, he, and with Carol, even if he knew what happened with Lizzie and even if he didn't approve of it, knowing everything he knows about Carol and her whole growth and who she is as a person, oh. I think he would get past it because that's not the way he, he would. He doesn't judge people on one thing. Right. He, no. He, he allows for mistakes. He does. 
he's a very non-judgmental character, um, which is interesting from where he began. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, well, it's almost the anti-Merle, which yeah. may be a reaction against what he grew up with. He doesn't want to be that. Now, I've, well, I've yeah. heard one of the things that Norman Reedus has said in creating um, Daryl, and from what I understand from what he has said, um, and what some of the showrunners have said have been that, that it really has been collaborative in creating mm-hmm. this character. And one of the things that he has said many times is he's, he plays the character as if he's actually ashamed of where he was yeah, and what he was and how oh, he grew yeah. up. You know, that that they had originally wanted the character to be, like, kind of a junkie, Mm -hmm. kind of a mini Merle junkie, and he was actually pretty insistent that he didn't want to be that. He wanted to be, play it as, and he said, like, between the difference between an AA member and an Al-Anon member, and that he's always wanted to play it as more the Al-Anon, the family member who's living in this insanity and doesn't know how to deal with it. Well, that's such a wise choice, though. I mean, Minnie Merle, sure, that's a familiar character. What Daryl is, I mean, it's completely different. And it's such an original take on a perspective. It is. And, you know, it's like you, you look at after, um, and you get some of that after um, the incident with Joe and the Claimers. Mm-hmm. And the look on Michonne's and Rick's face, when they see that that Daryl is with them, yeah, and then in the aftermath when he comes over the wreck, and he is so ashamed of having been with these people, it's like, yep, I had no idea. Well, he, sees himself as, he sees himself as trash because he was treated like trash. Well, he right, does. So exactly. he has those self-esteem issues that stem from his upbringing. Yeah, and he still has them, even though he's so oh, yeah, valued. And that's why Carol, I think, is so – I think Beth helped his self-esteem, but not to the same degree because yeah. I don't think she understood him in the same way yeah. that Carol does. No, not at all. Well, no, because she, she hadn't been – well, like, I was kind of hoping – I mean, we saw that scene with um, – who, who was she talking to? It was um, Beth and uh, Dawn, and Beth had said that, you know, she might – she was abused to a certain extent, so I thought – you know, from the guys that took her initially. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. It makes sense that they're going to try and uh, develop some type of a relationship with Daryl because it was it's apparent that he's had some, you know, abuse. Yeah, well, um, he's got he all those there. scars. Well, yeah, and he, he has yet to deal with any of that. And so I think the fact that, um, especially, God, what was the name of that? I can't remember the name of the episode, but the one where Carol and Daryl are, you know, Going to rescue Beth, and there's all you know, the symbolism of the yeah, consumed, the symbolism of the smoke versus the the fire, right. and and you know she uh, Carol's dealt with everything, but he hasn't yet, and I right. think that it was important for Carol to deal with her stuff so that she can maybe help Daryl get past his stuff. Right. So I'm right. anxious to see you know more about his background and more about what exactly happened. Um, right. And because. Because, you know, there was that scene um, in season four when, you know, Beth and uh, Daryl, they break into that old shack and she's talking right. about, you know, his father, his father, 
and this and that, but I don't, I think he was just putting her on, putting on a face. I mean, I, I don't think that's the real story. And so it's going to be interesting to see where they go, you know, how that all unfolds. From, I think it was the real you know? story. I think he was on. Oh, yeah. It just may not have been the total story. Right. I definitely think that was the real story. I think that is a lot like he grew up. And that whole episode was a lot about class differences and, and the, yeah. you know, in the in the before time, um, someone like Beth would have looked down her nose at him. She would right, never. Right, right. They would have never like been anywhere walking. close. <laughs> right, she would have kept walking. Um, so, and, and he then he about, himself like that. Yeah, and he, he does. He's he's season, right, well, we saw that in season two. And we saw that, um, you know, with how... Um, he hallucinates Merle, you know, it's like these right, people don't, right. they, you just white trash. And, um, it's a, and, and actually I think, and one of the most inter, you know, one of the interesting things about how they've written him is he is really probably one of the most intelligent characters in the whole series. Oh, definitely. He's which really, is, which, really, which really would, smart. Right. And you wouldn't think that he would be. No. You know, to look at him, you'd think he'd be some doofus, you know, some... Right, oh, he's you know, not. He's really, really... He's he's but. thoughtful, he's intelligent, um, and so, yeah. So just kind of, because we're... Um, I can't believe it, we're almost out of time. Um, my <laughs> season five death, Gareth, Bob, and Beth. Um, so they're far. obvious... Uh, so far, right, so far. I'm writing it now, so, so far. <laughs> So is there so anyone who's, good. anyone who's untouchable for the end of uh, season five? Do you think? Yeah, Rick? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Daryl, Rick, Rick, and Carl are my three. Daryl, Rick, I think and Carl through at least the end of season six. At least. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if not they the have whole thing. Yeah, they can't, if they got rid of Daryl, the whole show would fall apart. <laughs> yeah, and Rick, I disagree with that. If they give us think... another long arc that leads to a, a death that makes sense, yeah, but you you'd have to really build it up. You can't just drop him at any point. You think? Right. <laughs> Hear that? Once upon a time. Um... <laughs> <laughs> hint, hint. Hello. Hint, hint. Well, we are out of time, and people in the chat room are um, without anybody listening or without anybody talking. <laughs> So okay. um, I'm gonna, we're going to have to say goodbye and end the show. And so I'll see you guys next Tuesday night, yes? All yes. right, yeah. We'll I'll talk more. All right. Okay. See you then. Thanks, guys. Good night, everyone. Bye. Bye.